Hello. Hey. I'm Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Woo! Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm here. I'm vibing. I'm chilling. Mildly, fri- uh, you know, worried, anxious, as always when you host. That's it. It's a fair. It's a fair fear. Because sometimes things get a little spooky. Yeah. Sometimes you just can't be trusted with my emotional well-being, you know? Yeah. I know. <laughs> Let me guess. You're sorry. I'm not that sorry this time. Yeah, clearly not. We've we've got no uh, spook today. But oh, really? We are usually of the spooky, the ooky, the unsolved, the mysterious, all of those lovely things. So this fits in that category. We're two best friends doing this podcast thing together. Hey, hey. Um, and if you want to hear more of our episodes, some of the spooky ones where uh, I have no consideration for the emotional well-being of Shannon or any of our listeners, you can find those at our website at thispodcastdoesnexist.com. Dot com. On there, you can also find all the good buttons, the write-in button, the uh, button to all of our socials. We live mostly on Instagram. And you can also find the button to find us elsewhere on whatever podcast what did you call it the last a time a podcatcher a podcatcher of your choice so go and find those buttons press them push them whatever you want to do with them and yeah we're happy you're here what she said <laughs> i was nodding you could but yeah you couldn't see it you know you can also find our bingo card there and you can tap that down as a physical bit a visual bit. A visual bit physical bit i mean same yeah, diff. yeah. i guess some physical bits can be auditory Hmm. Yeah. Like if you're doing the like, oh, Camp Rock. (laughs) (laughs) My brain did not register what that was until you said Camp Rock. Well, because it's not correct, but I never bothered (laughs) to learn the real one. So I just kind of flap my arms around in a sound formation. (laughs) Amazing. Great. Well, today, I promise we do not have anything particularly spooky. It isn't necessarily happy but it is somewhat resolved oh which is a new avenue for me i don't think i've done any that are kind of resolved but we'll see this is also a listener suggestion from Alyssa. thank you so much hope you're still listening let us know thank you for this episode suggestion it was honestly extremely interesting so today we are going to talk about ruth marie terry the lady of the dunes Mm. so Quick warning, there is going to be discussion of murder and sexual assault. Baseline. If that's not how you're feeling, feel free to step away. Listen to last week's or the spooky episodes if you're into that. So. <laughs> and then we become, sometimes we become grandmothers from somewhere in the Northeast. Isn't that exciting for you? We just, we want you to be happy. You know, we all want you to be happy. We just want you to, we need you fed. We need you happy. We, we need, need you married. hydrated. I was going on the grandmother start. You do not need to be married. <laughs> I mean, if you want to be, you can. Yes. But also, you don't have to. No, absolutely. If you're a grandma, write into the podcast. Yeah, Noni. Say hi. Hello. Do you twerk? Do you twerk, Noni? Do you twerk? <laughs> well, <laughs> luck- lucky for us, we're in the Massachusetts area. Oh. With this, so okay. our our grandma voices fit. Great. So on July 26, 1974, a 12-year-old girl was walking her dog across the dunes of Provincetown, Massachusetts. 
The dog started to bark, and the girl followed him to a woman sunbathing face down on one half of a light green beach blanket. She quickly saw, however, the woman was not sunbathing. Emotional damage! Emotional damage! Truly. And her sister recently was interviewed for an article. Her sister was like, yeah, it was not great for her. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine that would do a number on your mental health. Yeah. But the police arrived and determined that the nude body had been there for probably about two weeks. Her head rested on a blue bandana and a pair of folded Wrangler jeans. Her red hair was in a ponytail and her toenails were painted pink. She was a slight woman, probably in her 30s, around 145 pounds and 5'6". She was missing both hands and one forearm. Shannon physically just reacted. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I was like, oh, that's awful. But like, I guess if she looked normal, people would have just walked by and like, oh, she's sunbathing. But like, what? She's missing things. Yeah. So she's missing that. She's missing her forearm or one of them. I think it was her left forearm and was nearly decapitated. Oh, several of her teeth had also been removed. The teeth left in her mouth were interesting, giving the police some hope of finding out who she was because the dental work was le- that was left in her mouth, including crowns, were worth around $5,000 to $10,000 at oh, the time. Wow. Which is $30,000 to $61,000 today. Dang. That's a lot of money. <laughs> the cause of death was determined to be the crushed to the left side of her head. They also found signs of sexual assault with an object, most likely post-mortem. Where she had been placed was of interest to the police as well, especially since it had taken two weeks to find her just yards away from the road with a lot of insect activity in the middle of the summer. Ugh. Yeah. They also found two sets of footprints leading to the body that weren't of anybody that they could identify. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm just... Two two weeks? There's wind. Like, that's it. Well, it might suggest that someone else had already found her and oh, just hadn't yeah. reported it or someone was coming to visit the body. That kind of thing. Shame on them. Yeah. Shame. Gross. Shame. Gross. Mm. Despite an extensive search of the dunes, however, they found no other evidence. With no murder weapon and no other identifying items to help police find out who she was, they had very little to go off of. Oh, did they take a hand because they want the fingerprints? That's that's what was suspected, which also could mean that she would be in the system for a crime of some kind. So then it would be, oh, well, I'm taking the hands so that they don't find out who she is, essentially. I've decided I'm slipping into my grandmother you persona really, really to like, help me get through this. <laughs> I love it. The police reviewed thousands of missing women reports, checked all of the vehicles licensed to drive on the dunes, canvassed motels and rooming houses, as well as other lodgings around the area, but to no avail. The teeth were no help either, even with their expense. In October of 1974, three months later and with no new leads, she was buried in a thin metal casket and a headstone that read, quote, unidentified female body found race point dunes, end quote. They could have made it a little nicer. 
It's very straightforward. It is very straightforward. <laughs> like, I don't know if there are rules surrounding that with Jane and John Doe's where you have to have a certain kind of no, moniker or anything. The book that I'm reading now, I forget. It was talking about somebody who was found by the lake where they filmed Friday the 13th. Oh. They, it was just nicer. It was like female stranger Aww. something something like... I don't know. It well, was it, just nice, yeah. but it was, you know, we don't know who she is. But Still descriptive. It but was like not more like, poetic than, yeah. than. That's fair. A body was found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was the, the police. I don't know who chose the. It's some headstone. cop in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who trusted. I don't, I don't know. Who uh, trusted Bobby to do that? Hey, Roy, can you, can you write this for me? I don't want to. Are you sure? Okay, female baddie. No, let's not. Uh, do we have to call it that? Do we? <laughs> do we have to? Well, I mean, what else it's, do we have to call it? It is what it is. It's, I'm calling it as it is. It's a female baddie. All right, fine. Write it down. Give it to Andrea. She'll take care of it. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for suffering through my rendition of a... Welcome to Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> Provincetown Police Department. Uh, all right. So, a clay model facial reconstruction was made in 1979, as the head had not been buried with the body, as well as many other drawings. Oh. Well, they, I will say that they did the whole, like, it's just her skull. It's not, like, flesh or anything. Still not great, but they wanted to make sure that they could take as much I of guess a face so they cast did, as possible. Well, and they didn't have to, like, dig up the body and exactly. then put it back and then dig it up again. It was, like, yeah. So they're trying to help themselves in the in the process, yeah. which is it really great. is just a body. Then it's yeah is a is a person just a body if they don't have their head, Mister Body. Yeah, I mean that I would I don't know is the head so then the headless horseman is not a person. Hmm. But does the pumpkin in the place of a head bestow personhood upon him? <laughs> These are the questions <laughs> I want answered on 60 Minutes. <laughs> Andy Brody, would I gotten to the bottom of this? Nona, Nona, just go sit. Go sit I'm and watch watching it. my show. You're watching your stories, I know. I'm watching my show. Yes. They're going to have Jeopardy soon. And you're going to win it every time like you do. Yeah, go get me a lemonade. You want anything in it? You know how I like it special. Okay, I'll make it special. <laughs> welcome to our improv 101 class uh we're not the teachers we're students we enjoy it though nonetheless look this is what we do when faced with sad things we we make little jokes on the side not that we're making fun of the sad thing we're just avoiding it while we're talking about it yeah also boston accents are fun I don't, you know, as with most accents I do on this show, I really wouldn't feel comfortable classifying it as anything <laughs> specific. Um, I don't want to offend anybody. I just kind of say stuff and it comes out of my face. Fair enough. You know? Yeah. 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 Anyway, so the head... <laughs> I love that after every one of our little bits, you're like... Anyway, it gives very, like, second grade teacher, like, that was a nice little comment. We did a good job. Anyway. We did a Five good times job. two is, yes, it's ten. Okay, <laughs> great. That's the energy. 
We're doing we're doing a great time. We're, we're doing a great time. We're doing a great time. Are you doing a great time? <laughs> we'll give you a good time. Oh my time. gosh. Oh. So the head is not buried with the body. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. You're welcome. Many other drawings of her were also made in an attempt to find her identity, but most of the drawings varied and made it hard to determine which could be closest to the truth. Mm. I, I'll post a photo of a lot of these, like a collection of these drawings and rend- renditions of her face, essentially. They are very dissimilar, mm. at, least, at least to my eye. I don't know if maybe there's just something about the way that they're drawn that's like... Maybe they're, the features are fairly similar, but they put different hair on her, so it mm-hmm. makes her whole face shape change. Something like that. Maybe that's what's happening, but I don't think they look all that similar mm. at all. I mean, they don't, and no one really seemed to be able to pinpoint any recognizable mm-hmm. face. So her full remains were exhumed again in 1980 in an attempt to find more clues. Still nothing could be found and no leads were to be had, no matter how many times they reconstructed her face. At this point, they also reburied her head with her body. Ah. The police learned in 1981 that a woman matching the Lady of the Dunes description had been seen with mobster Whitey Bolger Mm. around the time the murder would have taken place. Bolger had been known for taking out some of his victims' teeth. This was all speculation, however, and could never be proven, and Bolger himself was murdered in 2018 in prison. Oh? Yeah. A Massachusetts serial killer named Tony Costa was also suspected initially, but he had died in mid-May of 1974, well before the murder would have occurred. Oh. In 1987, a woman told a friend that she had seen her father strangle a woman in Massachusetts around 1972. And another woman came to the police to say that the victim's reconstruction looked like her sister, who had disappeared in Boston in 1974. Neither lead proved helpful to either party. Oh. Which is sad. In 2000, her body was exhumed again for DNA testing this time. This is when the theory arose that the body was of missing criminal Rory Jean Kessinger, who was around 25 when the murder would have occurred. She had escaped from jail in 1973. There was a strong resemblance between the facial reconstruction and Rory, which is completely fair. They do look a lot alike. But when Rory's mother provided DNA in 2002, it did not match. So they were back to square one. Shout out to all the moms and their little, like, locks of first haircut or, like, baby teeth that, like... I mean, yeah, they took her DNA in order to try and match it against the DNA they had. All right, never mind. (laughs) I mean, that too. There was some TV show we were watching where people have to bring a prize to the game show. And if they win, they win everyone's prize from the beginning. But it's themed every time. And it was supposed to be like family heirloom. And this woman brought all of her children's teeth and hair and umbilical cords and all of this stuff in like the box that she keeps them in, the keepsake box she keeps them in. Wow. She felt very confident that she was going to win. She did, luckily. But like, I can't imagine being the person who won and like, it's not mine. (laughs) Nobody's like, everyone's like, I'm just going to lose. I'm good. I'll sit back. (laughs) Emma would have been like, can I have? I just want the teeth. (laughs) This is the teeth. You can keep the other stuff. You can keep the rest There were a couple other missing women 
Francis Ewald of Montana, and Vicki Lamberton of Massachusetts that could have been the possible Lady of the Dunes, but neither proved to be so. All three of these women, Francis, Vicki, and Rory, are still missing. Boo. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. A murderer named Haddon Clark led the police to a spot he claimed to have buried two victims 20 years beforehand and also stated he had murdered various others in various states from the 70s to the 90s. Three years later, in 2003, Clark confessed to the murder of the Lady of the Dunes, saying, quote, I could have told the police what her name was, but after they beat the shit out of me, I wasn't going to tell them shit. This murder is still unsolved, and what the police are looking for is in my grandfather's garden. End quote. This was sent in a letter to a friend saying he had killed a woman on Cape Cod and sent two drawings with it. One was of a handless, naked woman, and the other a map of Massachusetts pointing to the location of his grandfather's house. What? If you're the friend. Right. Like, There's I either have on. a lot of questions about you, or did he take the letter to the cops? I mean, it, it was a prison letter, so it was there's screened. record of it. There's pictures of it. Okay. So maybe it didn't actually get to the friend. But, like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you know you're I know. I don't. under surveillance. <laughs> I know. It's a little... It's weird. Thankfully, I... we don't understand the minds of serial killers. <laughs> yeah. I also read the letter he sent in full, which I'm really wishing now I hadn't done that. I also saw the pictures that he drew. I also wish I had never seen those. But he did tell his friend in the letter to send him magazines, including Ranger Rick, a nature magazine for kids. But he also said, quote, do not send me Bon Appetit magazine. And I would have sent him every single copy of Bon Appetit (laughs) magazine. Uh, it give, gave me a moment of pause because I was like, Bon Appetit really has been la- around that long, mm-hmm. I guess, as like an ish- like a volume. Anyway, the police, however, were skeptical of his confessions. Clark was diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic, and while he was being treated, was prone to confess falsely to crimes. He did this a lot. Mm. So far as we're aware, his claims led to nothing. I don't know how seriously they took his claim of things are in my grandfather's garden. I'm sure that, you know, if there was stuff, it was probably related to the actual crimes he had committed, but nothing in connection to the Lady of the Dunes. In 2010, a CT of the skull was conducted and generated images that the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children used for a more faithful reconstruction of the Lady of the Dunes' face. This image would remain her face for the next 12 years, even after the 2013 attempt to identify her after the third exhumation of her body. Hmm. In August of 2015, there was speculation thrown around that the Lady of the Dunes was an extra in the film Jaws. Yeah. (laughs) Grandmother Shannon just went, hmm? What? What? Jaws had been filming in Martha's Vineyard, specifically the village of Menemsha, around 100 miles south of Provincetown from May to October of 1974. It was actually Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, who alerted police to the possibility. He had just read The Skeleton Crew, How Amateur Sleuths Are Solving America's Cold Cases, and watched the 4th of July scene from Jaws when he saw an extra in the crowd wearing jeans and her hair back in a blue bandana. 
Joe Hill was pretty sure he'd just found the Lady of the Dunes in the background of one of America's most famous films. But while the lead investigator had interest in the theory, quite a few others had seen it as, quote, wild speculation. In 2022, the skeletal remains of the Lady of the Dunes were sent to Othram, an American company that specializes in forensic genealogical DNA analysis to solve murders. From these remains, a DNA profile was generated, and on October 31st, 2022, the remains were identified. The Lady of the Dunes was Ruth Marie Terry, aged 37 when she passed, a native of Whitwell, Tennessee. She went by a few names, including Terry Marie Vizina, Terry M. Vizina, and Terry Shannon. Hmm. In 1957, after her short marriage fell apart, Ruth left Tennessee to work at an automotive plant in Livonia, Michigan. A year later, at age 21, she gave birth to a boy, but was in a bad place financially. So, the superintendent of the plant, Richard Hanchett Sr., adopted her son in return for paying off her expenses. Once the adoption was finalized, Ruth left for California. While Ruth had reached out in 1972 to her son, Richard Hanchett Jr., he, at 13, was not yet ready to meet her. Hmm. On February 16, 1974, Ruth married Guy Rockwell Moldavin. He was an antiques dealer in Reno, Nevada. In March, the couple visited Whitwell, Tennessee, to see Ruth's family. Her great-niece later said that Ruth wasn't herself when she was with her new husband, who had some very possessive tendencies mm. with her. That's no good. No, you know, Grim. Nona, no good. Nona Shannon says. I tell you all the time, he better treat you like a princess. I love this new corner of our of our pod. Ugh. Nona Shannon corner. Yeah, I got my little blanket you over do. You my your lap. lap. You have your lap blanket. I'm going to have a TV dinner. It'll be great. I'll watch Jeopardy. You'll get all the answers right. I'll get you a special lemonade. You'll be so happy. Thank you, dear. You're welcome. So the couple then went to Chattanooga to see Ruth's half-brother, Kenneth, and his wife, Carol. The new couple claimed they were going to be traveling around the U.S. to look for antiques, including a mention of going to Massachusetts. Mm. In the late summer of 1974, Guy Moldavin went back to his wife's family in Whitwell without her. Mm? and told them that Ruth had gone missing from their California home. Oh, what? This is some Gabby Petito vibes. Yeah. I I keep up with the talk ticks. I know what the kids are talking about. The talk ticks. Yeah, with the dancing and then do, do, you, do, do you, you twerk? You had to be there. I'm sorry. That's what you get for skipping family vacation. That is what you get for skipping family vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to Doris. I get Doris? I guess. Huh? I love it. You're like my friend. You're my fun neighbor. Yeah. But when you're not, yeah, with that character. I, I make schnickledoodles. Yeah. You got to say it like that, though. Yeah. Schnicker. I hate it when she does that, but <laughs> I have to deal with I it all the time. I can hear you. I'm not deaf. You think I'm deaf. I'm not deaf. Yeah, you have very good hearing. Better than everybody else. Blah, blah, blah. My hearing aid is 10% better than yours. Okay, well, some of us can't afford all the latest gadgets. I'm on the talk tech. Yeah, mm -hmm. I bet you are, Doris. I learned how to talk the other day. Don't. 
break your hip. I did, but I did drop it low. Oh, which th- I've learned is not the best thing for me to do. No, how were you stuck? I I could not. Did you have to call Joey to come get you? I did. Joey's her grandson. He's the sweetest He's young man. Boy. He's such a good He's boy. He's so nice. He's just I I I hope he finds and his dog. I hope uh, he finds somebody. Yeah. That he loves. Yeah. And you know, I just I want him to be happy. Yeah. Me, but don't we all? We all. Don't we all? We all want Joey to be happy. Well, all of them. All of the little oh, kiddos. All of you. All of you are our new grandchildren. We love you. We did you, you? Did you? Have you had any water today? Drink your water. Do you need to eat? You should eat. Have a snack. Don't say it. <laughs> a snickerdoodle. Oh. <laughs> all right. Tell me about. Tell me about the matter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it turns out this is genuinely what. <laughs> What Doris and Nona Shannon do on a daily basis. There we go. Oh, wait. Let me pull my glasses down. Visual bit for all of y'all. Yep. <laughs> this is looking into the future. I can't see you anymore. I can't see I can't see my oh. my notes. Where was I? <laughs> he went back to her oh, family. That's right. Okay, so he went back to her family without her to then just tell them that Ruth had gone missing and he didn't stay very long and he when asked, when pressed about like what happened, he was like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know where she is. Oh, by the way, she's missing. Okay, love you. Bye. Ruth's older brother, James, went to California and hired a private investigator to see if he could find her. The investigator came back and said that all of Ruth, Ruth's belongings had been sold off and she had apparently left the state of her own free will after becoming part of a cult. I did not see that coming. Neither did anybody else. Unable to find any other answers, her family had to assume she wasn't in contact with them because of a cult, witness protection, or another extreme extenuating circumstance. I love that number two was witness protection. Yeah. Like, how common is that? I think it was one of the theories that one of her sisters had. That her sister was like, well, she wouldn't not talk to us. Doesn't mm. make any sense. Maybe she's being forced not to talk to us, which would be a cult or witness protection. Maybe yeah. she saw something she wasn't supposed to. I feel like I don't think people could say that about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the people that are like, I call my mom every Sunday. And so if I miss, she knows something's wrong. It would be like, Shannon hasn't sent me any TikToks for the last four days. Oh, yeah. Is she she's, alive? She's dead. Yeah. We are the most inconsistent bitches when it comes to being in contact with people, unless it is uh, passive contact. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's fine. We're fine. Twitch. <laughs> so, in 2018, Richard Hanchett Jr., her son, submitted his DNA to Ancestry.com. He found family in Tennessee who told him all about his bright and bubbly mother, who struck out on her own at 20, but had been missing since 1974. It was only in 2022, after the Lady of the Dunes DNA was sent to Othram, that the connection to his birth mother was made. But it was his DNA that made the solid connection the police had been looking for for decades. When the news broke, he said, quote, Everybody that I talked to who knew her adored her i wish i could have just talked to her touched her once end Mm. quote which is so sad especially since she had reached out at one point and he just he wasn't ready yeah which is you know 
totally fair for him. Yeah. But I'm sure it's something that he thinks about a lot now. Ugh. So now that she had a name, they also had a potential suspect. <gasps> Her it's hu- that no good man. Yes, you're correct. Ugh. Her husband, Guy Rockwell Moldavin. Who names a child Guy? One of my favorite movies, Galaxy Quest, with Tim Allen, Professor Snape, Ellen Rickman, um, Sigourney Weaver, and, you know, a handful of other people who are fairly famous. But one of the characters is named Guy, but they don't know that his, that's his actual name the whole time. They just thought that they had been calling him Guy because he's just the guy mm. the entire time. And he's like, no, my name, that's actually my name. That's my name, Guy. And Tim Allen's like, who names some... Your name is Guy? <laughs> it makes no sense. But yeah, that was his name. Um, he- I, I just the only guy for me is the mayor of Flavortown. Yeah, Guy Fieri. I do, I do love a man who is unapologetically himself. Unapologetic fashion sense. Yeah, really though. Yeah. He's, he's on fire. Hey. You're done. I'm good. You're done. Okay. So he also didn't really like his name that much because he also went by Raul Guy Moldavin and Raul Guy Rockwell. He was a big fan of Phantom of the Opera. Raul. Guy was no stranger to trouble, it seems. As a young man in 1942, he lived in Manhattan and attended the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Oh, see? He's a big fan of the opera. Honestly, might have been. Having been disqualified from active military service for World War II because of a mastoid infection. This is an infection of the mastoid bone just behind the ear, rarely seen today because of our antibiotics that we use to treat ear infections. But then it wouldn't have been very easily treated and it could cause a lot of major issues both in your eardrums and in your brain. Go to the dentist. Go to the dentist. While working as a professor in 1946, Guy married Joellen May Loop, the couple later divorcing 10 years later in Seattle after Guy met his new love, Manzanita. The pair married swiftly after their divorces in 1958, and Manzanita and her daughter, Dolores Mearns, moved in with Moldavin to the store Coombe house that he sold antiques out of. Hmm. On April 1st, 1960, Manzanita and Dolores disappeared from the seattle home that's no joke nope but no reports were really made Mm. guy divorced in manzanita in her absence claiming desertion and quickly married evelyn emerson in july of 1960 five days after their marriage guy's new mother-in-law gave him a cashier's check for ten thousand dollars over a hundred thousand dollars today to, quote, buy antiquities for quick resale in Canada, end quote. Around the same time, police were becoming more suspicious about the disappearances of Guy's second wife and stepdaughter and got a warrant to search the Seattle store and home they had lived in together. Oh, no. In a newly sealed septic tank, the investigators found, quote, bits of human tissue and pieces of human body, end quote, that mm. were most likely arms and teeth. Oh. But that's weird and interesting because those were the only things that were missing from the body of the Lady of the Dunes. Yeah. Unsurprisingly at this point, Guy vanished with his new cashier's check 
A newspaper account at the time of his eventual trial said that August 6, 1960, Guy, then going by Michael Strong, flew to Reno and bought a sports car to drive cross-country to Provincetown, Massachusetts. Hmm. He later found himself in New York getting a nose job and an apartment in Greenwich Village. Hmm. Police and FBI found him, arrested him, and brought him back to Seattle under charges of, quote, unlawful flight to avoid testifying to the mutilation of human remains, end quote, and larceny. He denied any involvement in the alleged deaths of his ex-wife and stepdaughter. Remember, they don't have bodies. Mm -hmm. They have pieces. He said, quote, they are attempting to make me confess to a crime I did not commit, end quote. Eventually, the unlawful flight charge was dropped, as the court acknowledged there was no evidence to support a murder charge against him. There was no way to identify the remains found in the Seattle home, nor any way to know that they belonged to Dolores or Manzanita. Guy was, however, charged with larceny for taking his mother-in-law's money, sentenced to no more than 15 years in 1961. However... In March of 1962, a judge suspended the sentence on the condition that the money be repaid. I have no clue if it was. There was no clarification Mm. on this. But they're like, eh, it's fine. Just don't give him any more money. Mm -hmm. Okay, whatever. True crime writer Anne Rule mentioned Moldavin and this case in her 2007 book Smoke, Mirrors, and Murder, and even mentions his marriage to a woman named Terry, in February of 1974. Mm. This was not the first alleged murder, however, that Guy would be connected to, and obviously not the last. Guy was the prime suspect in the 1950 murder of a 28-year-old bread truck driver named Henry Red Baird and the disappearance of his 17-year-old girlfriend, Barbara Jo Kelly, in California. On the evening of June 17, 1950, the pair went out and never returned. Red's body was found face down on a beach the following morning, naked except for socks and shoes, and with a gunshot to the back of the head. Barbara's clothing was carefully folded and tucked underneath Red's folded clothes, except for her socks and shoes. Barbara has never been found. Mm. It's unclear exactly why Guy was connected initially, Either the restaurant where Barbara worked was one of the only two in the area, which is true. The other one that she didn't work at was owned by Guy's first wife's family, and he worked there as a line cook. Red was the bread truck driver for both of these locations. Mm -hmm. There was also speculation that Barbara was dating Guy as well, Mm. even though he was married. Mm. And he found out about Red. So there's stuff happening there but none of it was very clear and i couldn't find any police records from the Mm. time guy and evelyn emerson the woman whose mother he took money from Mm -hmm. married again in august of 1963 Mm. yeah i don't know evelyn are you okay after he got out of jail Mm -hmm. ma'am evelyn are we okay what's happening you all right (laughs) come sit with nona shannon she gonna tell you about your life what are you doing? But by 1974, Guy was free from both the law and marriage enough to marry again, this time to Ruth Marie Terry, who he knew as Terry Marie Vizina. 
After Ruth disappeared, around 1976, Guy moved to Salinas, California. At some point, he got married once again to Phyllis Roper. He built a new life, becoming the volunteer talk radio host of Talk to Me in the 1980s. He would take listener calls and offer commentary on a variety of topics, including, quote, the erosion of culture and his belief that killing has become a habit, end quote, in America. Uh, can I offer some commentary? Mm. This must have been one charismatic motherfucker because this many women want to marry him. Yeah, that was uh, one of his friends who once the DNA was determined to be that of Ruth and there was connection to Guy. It was almost immediate that this connection was made by the police. One of his friends from Salinas was like, I can't even imagine. Like, the, I, I don't, you know, doubt that this was what his life was like, but I can't even imagine that he would have hurt somebody. He was such a charming person. They he was so charismatic. He was like, yeah, exactly. But he was a, he was really good at essentially just charming the pants off of people enough that they believe anything that he told them mm. so which is obviously true based on the fact that his ex-wife married him again after she stole her family's Jeez money Louise. yeah so guy had also said on the radio show that he thought the public could end discrimination war and world hunger just by imagining it just fantasize about it and it will happen okay I almost said John Legend. Nope. No. John Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I meant. Guy died in November of 2002. Good riddance. Survived by his wife, Phyllis, until her death in 2021. Dang. The Massachusetts State Police are seeking more information about him and his time with Ruth in New England during the 1970s. They urge anyone who might have information on either person to call 1-800-K-A-P-T-U-R-E, capture, or email them at msptips at pol.state.ma.us. These will be in the show notes. You don't have to memorize that. Oh, good. While he remains a suspect in the case, the district attorney for Cape Cod, Nantucket, and Martha's Vineyard, Michael O'Keefe, has stated, quote, it's very likely that the person who did this is dead, but they may not be. And so the message to them, if they are still out there, is we're coming. End quote. Yeah, we're coming for you. And that is the tragic story of Ruth Marie Terry, the Lady of the Dunes. Ugh. How I, you feeling, I, Nona? I just am disappointed. <laughs> In the choices that were made. The choices. The the lack of answers. Yeah. I am glad now that we have a name, obviously. Yes. That they can feels... update that such a sad tombstone. Yeah. Well, they have, there is a, a push to have her body exhumed for the last time so that they can move it to a final resting place next to her parents. Oh, in down Tennessee. in Tennessee. Yeah. Because um, currently it's in a Provincetown churchyard. Yeah. But they've also because obviously the headstone still reads unidentified female body. Mm -hmm. um, they have now put up a photo of her on like stakes and put flowers out and put her real Why'd name up. Why'd they get too cheap and, to get a new headstone? Well, because they want to move her getting a new headstone. Get on it then. 
Come on. Yeah. You dug her up so many times. It should be easy. I think at this point, it's a, it's on the family now, expense-wise. Well, that's rude. Yeah. They've been through enough. Yeah. So. Taxes are high enough. We should be fine. Yeah. But yeah. Again, I'm glad that she has a name, but we genuinely still don't know what happened or unfortunately who actually did it yeah because whether it was guy or not is still up in the air though it feels pretty based on the the other murders that he's connected with Mm -hmm. they have some weird similarities yeah like and how unfortunate would ruth have to be to encounter two slime balls in her life yeah you know yeah that's but it's too bad yeah did you hear about this on the Ghoul Boy show? No, this was one of Alyssa's. Uh, oh right, but didn't the Ghoul the Ghoul they Boys did. talked about it? They did. I that was a while ago though. I didn't actually watch their thing for this. Oh, I could have. You love the Ghoul Boys. I know. Boys. I didn't even think about. I well, here's the thing. I watched the Ghoul Boys for when I'm doing ghost stories uh-huh. or like haunted places. Uh-huh. I don't usually watch their true crime stuff. Because Why? while I love Ryan Begara, his true crime narrator voice. Is it like my scary voice? You can't take it seriously? Yeah. <laughs> That's so rude. I'm sorry. That's it's not so intentional. Rude. It just happens. So I don't I don't have any questions for the end of this episode because this one's sad. But Well, I have a question. Oh. What's your favorite kind of cookie? <laughs> I don't actually like snickerdoodles. Okay, well, then I'm asking you what your I, favorite is. I just is. don't know why that came up in my brain. Well, because like, that's Doris's. That's true. That's it's Doris's favorite, favorite cookie is a schnickadoodle. My favorite, I mean, I love a chocolate chip cookie, a good chocolate chip cookie. You like it gooey or crunchy? Oh, no crunch. I need it soft, soft oh. cookie. Ugh. I don't like crunchy cookie. Chips I like, Ahoy, I hate. I like, well, not hard, but like I like a little... When it's like a little crispy on the edge, but the inside is still ooey gooey. Oh, I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm good with that. That's what I mean by crunch. Okay. The whole thing. Like if I take one bite and the whole thing falls apart. No. Yeah. That's fair. No. You're like, I'll I just eat cookie to... dough at that point. Yeah. I, I needed you to be more together. Get get it together. <laughs> I'm she doing says the to best the, I can. She says to the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> it's struggling grabbing all of its pieces i'm sorry <laughs> like files yeah but it's just pieces of chocolate chip cookie. Oh, uh, well goodness. we recognize that you are doing the best you can um and that's me no the, oh, the listeners cookie. oh <laughs> when a- i look into the middle distance like this oh i see I'm talking to the listeners. You're all but I recognize that you are also doing the best you can, Emma. We're all doing the best we can. She just thanks, man. She just saluted me with both hands at once, you guys. Double salute. Um, we gotta go. So remember, this podcast doesn't exist. But schnickadoodles do. Call your grandmother. Yes. Tell her you love her. Yes. And we love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Drink your water. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Wow, wow, wow.